You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. And here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. When I go up to the Father, I'm going to send him to you. Well, 10 days after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit descended and began his present day ministry on everyone, everywhere, forever. Can we say those three words out loud? On everyone, everywhere, forever. Everyone, everywhere, forever. That means you and I aren't exempt from the work of the Holy Spirit. And it also means that He's even working on that one person that really gets on our nerves. Pastor Dion will dive deeper into what the work of the Holy Spirit is in today's message, and He'll encourage us to both submit to and join in that mission. God is building His kingdom in us and around us. He's bringing people to Himself, redeeming and refining each of us. So what better work can we all join than that? Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of John chapter 14 as he begins his message, The Function of the Holy Spirit. I'll ask you to open your Bibles to the book of John. We will be in chapter 14, 15, and 16 again, as we've been doing a series called Foundations. And um, this particular series of foundations is we've been looking at the highlighting the foundations of the Christian faith. And we are currently discussing the Holy Spirit. Can you guys say that out loud? The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is actually a part of the Godhead. He is a part of God's amazing Godhead, and he is here to help. And so with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for, first of all, giving us the Holy Spirit, and that he is amongst us, in our midst, doing uh, in us the very thing that you desire for him to do. I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to lead us into truth and to help us discover uh, you in a, in, in a more beautiful and greater way. And Lord, that you would truly be blessed by the outcome, by the production, by the fruit of our Christian lives because of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is a record of how God related to man. It's a record of how God related to man and how man should relate to God. But it's This, it's old school. Everybody say it out loud. What? It's old school. So the Old Testament kind of gives us some information about how God related to man then and how men should relate to God then, but it's old school. Say it again. It's what? Old school. In the Old Testament, guys, salvation was limited and temporary, and so was the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only come on those that God selected and appointed. Only select or chosen individuals, like prophets and priests and kings and judges. And if you did not have that uh, kind of uh, 
selection or you weren't chosen, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come upon you. That was the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the whole Holy Spirit was limited in his, and his role was temporary. He would come and he would go. If the chosen individual, you know, who was chosen for the Holy Spirit to be upon him, wouldn't listen or yield, he, the Holy Spirit, would fly away. Like, una paloma blanca. And there it goes. In fact, Judges 16 says that the Spirit of the Lord left Samson. And 1 Samuel chapter 16 says the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And after his sin with Bathsheba, David prayed earnestly. And here's what he prayed. The record reads in Psalm 51.11. It says, don't cast me away from your presence. Read that last line with me. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because that was the function of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was limited and temporary. The Old Testament prophets longed for the day when the Holy Spirit would be on all of God's people. So, you know, here they were in the Old Testament. They understood the Holy Spirit only came on certain individuals and was it was temporary. And they longed, everybody said they did what? They longed that the Holy Spirit would be on all God's people. In fact, here's an example. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, after the Spirit came on a couple of brothers selected, their names were Eldab and Medab, they... When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to all of the congregation of Israel. Well, Joshua was afraid that they would upstage Moses because it was during Moses' day. And now the Holy Spirit is on these guys and they're running around preaching God's word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Joshua thinks that they're going to upstage Moses. So Joshua tried to stop them from speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Here is what Moses told or corrected Joshua. Here's what he said. Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? Everybody read this out loud with me. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. They longed for it, for the Holy Spirit to be on all of God's people and not just a limited few. Well, God wanted the same thing. God wanted complete saturation as well. He wanted the Holy Spirit to be on everyone, everywhere. Say that out loud with me. On what? Everyone, everywhere. In fact, God revealed through Joel that that day would eventually come where the Holy Spirit would come upon everyone Everywhere. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, here's what God said. There will come a time when I will pour out my spirit upon everybody, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. That should be a good place to, you know, clap, applause, shout to the Lord. Because God wanted the same thing. And he said, there's coming a day. The time will come. Well, 800 years after God said that through Joel the prophet, 
Jesus came, the promised Messiah. And Jesus announced a new covenant. Say it out loud. Or what? A new covenant. That God would relate to man on different terms than he did in the Old Testament. Salvation would no longer be limited and temporary. It would be once and for all. Everybody say it out loud. Once and for all. And thank God for that, right? And he also said, and the Holy Spirit would no longer be limited and temporary. Somebody shout hallelujah to that, right? Awesome. Well, before his crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go away to the Father, but I will not leave you like orphans. I will send you the Holy Spirit. Here's the the, the actual teaching, Jesus, chapter uh, in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said this, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, everybody, forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So, Jesus comes. He introduces a new covenant. Salvation. God's going to relate to men on a different terms. And salvation will no longer be limited, but it will be once and for all. And he also says, and the Holy Spirit will no longer be limited and temporary. And he says, and here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. When I go up to the Father, I'm going to send him to you. Well, 10 days after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit descended and began his present-day ministry on everyone, everywhere, forever. Can we say those three words out loud? On everyone, everywhere, forever. The book of Acts chapter 2 records the, that event when the Holy Spirit came into its present day ministry on everyone, everywhere, forever. And guys, now the Holy Spirit will no longer retreat. No matter how difficult, how stubborn, or how disobedient you might be, He will keep hammering on your hard head. Somebody say, thank God. Look at your neighbor and say, because I know you. So the Holy Spirit's going to come forever on everyone, everywhere, forever. And no matter, even though we are challenging, that's the good word, right? We are challenging to him. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He will continue to work on us. But just because the Holy Spirit won't leave doesn't mean that we can't grieve or distress or quench, which means to box out. It's an athletic term. Uh, they use it in basketball. To box someone out, to keep them away from the lane, to keep them from advancing. The Holy Spirit, guys, what we can do, although he won't leave us, but we can quench him, distress him. We can box him out. And that's why as Christians, we are told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 
we're told, do not quench the spirit. So look at your neighbor and tell him, let him lead. Look at him and tell him that. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Now, last week, we began to identify some of the functions of the Holy Spirit. And one of them is that he works from the outside to convict the unbeliever. So the Holy Spirit is now on everyone, everywhere, forever. And one of his first functions is that he is to convict the unbeliever. Say it out loud, convict the unbeliever. He's working from the outside. He, we talked about, he hunts them. He dogs them. He draws them, right? Jesus taught that no one comes to the Father unless they are drawn. And the Holy Spirit is the magnet. He draws us to the Father. He will convict us of our sin. He will convince us of righteousness, point to Jesus. And he will also try to scare us about the judgment. He will do whatever it takes to bring us to a place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way of salvation. Now, once the Holy Spirit, working from the outside, has wooed us to repentance and faith in Jesus, he revives the dead spirit within us. When we say, you know what, I see it and I am so sorry for my sin. I have acted like a jerk. I have been a jerk. I have, I have offended God. And we come to that place of rep- repentance. Guys, the Holy Spirit moves in and he revives a dead spirit within us. And here's the verse. And y- you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So the Holy Spirit ignites at that moment, at that place of Surrender to the Lord Jesus, he ignites a new spirit within us. Jesus calls it being born again. Say it out loud. What? Born again. Paul called it having a new creation or being a new creation in Christ. Now, at that very moment, he, the Holy Spirit, indwells us. Everybody say spirit inside. All right, so he moves from the outside, from trying to convince us about Jesus and the way of salvation, drawing us to the Father. And when we surrender, He comes in. He moves in, dwells us. The Apostle Paul explained it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit that God gave you? and that he lives within you. Your own body does not belong to you, for God has brought you, or excuse me, bought you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. So what happens when, when, when we first surrender? Uh, he regenerates us. He begins, he ignites a new spirit within us. But then he himself, the Holy Spirit, moves in and we become a temple or a home for the Holy Spirit. That's awesome, right? See, when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, as I said, births a new spirit within us. He baptizes us into a new family, the family of God. And then he ignites a new appetite in us for God's word. Then he 
indwells us. He moves in, takes up residence in us, and he serves as God's this. Everybody said out loud, a what? A seal. Everybody said a what? A seal. As God's seal upon us. So the Holy Spirit moves in, and he functions as God's seal upon us. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has marked you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Some people, I'll give you a little explanation. Some people are pretty possessive about their stuff. You know, they place identifiable markings on things, on everything. They spray paint their tools and equipment. They'll etch their names into jewelry and valuables. They'll place private property signs on their fences. They will stamp their books. They will brand their cattle. They will insert ID chips in their pets. And they will even tattoo their partners. She's got his name and he's got her name. Huh? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Identifiable markers that declare that person or that thing is owned, kept, managed, loved. Well, the Holy Spirit is a seal and he is marking us as, everybody said out loud, private property. So, isn't that awesome? He leads us and draws us to the Lord from the outside. When we finally surrender, he ignites a new spirit within us, and then he moves in, and he is the seal that we are private property. Say it again. What? Private property. In fact, look at your neighbor and just touch your chest and say, private property. You know, like the wedding band that discourages all those single vultures. You know what I'm saying? The Spirit makes known that you're taken. You belong to God. And if you belong to God and the Spirit is in you, well, the devil can't cross over and snatch you out of God's hand. Jesus said it like this, John chapter 10 and verse 28. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, because the Holy Spirit indwells and seals us, Satan can't steal us back, or even separate us from God's love. And that's what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 8. He said that nothing will separate us from the love of God, not persecution or angels or distress or demon spirits or the devil himself. Nothing will separate us from the love of God because the Holy Spirit has sealed us. So we can go ahead and sing to the devil that Taylor Swift song. We can sing, we are never, ever, ever, like ever getting back together, ever, right? Go ahead and wave at him and say, never, right? Because 
the Holy Spirit has sealed us. He is keeping us. So because of the Holy Spirit, Satan can't separate us. He can't steal us. And he can't seize us. Everybody say seize. Now, those of you who have asked, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Does a chicken have lips? Does a snake have hips? Can a bald man comb his hair? Can a cow sit in a chair? Right? No! Everybody say it out loud. What? No! Because of the Holy Spirit indwelling, Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Everybody say, cannot! That's made clear also in the book of Corinthians. It says, you know, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And because we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, hey, listen, evil can't cohabit with good, with righteousness. It can't. Now, there are a few churches and pastors that propagate that Christians can be demon-possessed. But not only is there no scriptural support for their belief, the Bible completely contradicts that belief. When the devil tries to threaten or scare you, the Bible doesn't say, pray hard and plead the blood of Jesus so demons won't seize you. Instead, the Bible tells us, reminds us of this, greater is he that is living in me than he that is in the world. You are spoken for. And so that loser has to find another ride. Amen? So the Holy Spirit's function is to keep believers, to protect and secure us. That is so awesome. Because, you know, left to yourself, you drift. You are distracted easily. You are sucked in to the... And willingly will walk into the wrong things, but the Holy Spirit will keep us. That is so awesome. Protect and secure. Now, another function of the Holy Spirit is to teach believers. Everybody say the word to what? Teach believers. So not only will he regenerate us, not only will he indwell us, not only will he seal us, but he will also teach us. Jesus described in detail the functions of the Holy Spirit like this. John chapter 14, verse 26, here's what it says. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Read it out loud with me. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Thanks for joining us here on The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. Pastor Dion has been taking it down to the foundation in the current series, laying out the basics of the faith. Doesn't going back to the basics just sound lovely? Take away all the cares of the world, drop off your adult worries and responsibilities, and go back to the time of Jesus loves me, this I know. The foundation of our faith rests on that one extraordinary truth. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. How do we know? The Bible tells us so over and over in a million different ways. 
So how has this time of resting on the simple truth felt to you? Can you feel the love of Jesus surrounding you? He wants you to feel that way all the time, in every situation. So when you leave this holy space with the Lord, take his love with you. And here's the truth, my friend. The more time you spend in the word with Jesus, the more you'll know and feel his love for you. If you're not ready to leave this space just yet, don't worry, you can stick around. Pastor Dion has many more messages of God's love, and they're all stored on our YouTube page. Just head on over there next to continue in the Word. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. To find out more about us and find our church, head on over to tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. We'd love to have you come see us sometime. And with that, we have come to the end of our time together. Come back next time to soak in more love right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we